Welcome in Wednesday live chat for this week's Houston Open plus whatever else you really want to talk about. This time is yours. It's not it's not mine. So uh, fill out the chat. Let me know what you think, where we're headed, what questions, comments or concerns that you have. And we'll tackle them over the course of the next hour or so. One big housekeeping item right out of the gate. And I want to show you this um, without giving away the details for tomorrow. But here we go. Um, this is the spreadsheet we've been working off of. If you want to play season-long fantasy golf, the first batch of leagues are going out tomorrow morning, Thursday morning. Uh, I'm going to send an email to everyone who filled out the interest list form. So if you have filled that out, I will be emailing you tomorrow morning. If you have not filled that out, uh, I think producer, producer Mina can get it in the description, the link to that form. Uh, so that you can be included on that email tomorrow. But what you'll see as of right now, over 40 different leagues are available. Some are eight teamers, 12 teamers. Some are snake drafts. Some are rotisserie all across different entry levels. So we've been working tirelessly over the course of the past couple of weeks to create as many of these fantasy leagues as possible. This could not be done without literally, I mean, people are volunteering their time and energy to create these leagues, make sure they're up and running for the community. It's unbelievable. So couldn't be done without the commissioners. Um, I'm hoping these spots fill very quickly. There's probably going to be about 250 spots or so available tomorrow morning, including leagues that I'm in, right? As of right now, there are 15 spots in leagues that I'm in that I'll be the commissioner of uh, across different entry fees. So those are available and I hope these fill quickly and then we'll open up some more after that. Uh, but again, big thanks to all the commissioners. Uh, it's, it's, you know, there's a long road ahead, right? There's probably going to be bumps in the road, but we're figuring it out and we're doing a really good job here. Okay. Uh, let's jump into it. Hank Hill says any six K guys that you like for GPPs. I like Dylan Fratelli, but other than that, no one catches my eye. This is kind of the big story of the week for me. Um, the 6K range is pretty garbage, right? There's not a ton that I feel uh, super excited about. Um, there's a couple of guys that I think are flyer worthy, but I don't see, you know, a lot of weeks it's like, oh, I'm comfortable enough with this guy. I'm comfortable enough with that guy. I'm comfortable enough understanding that they're $6,000 for a reason. Um, I think the the real dart throw uh, would be someone like Johannes Veerman. So let me pull him up. And while I do that, this is my website. It's rickrungood.com. I've got the strokes game metrics from the European tour and all that stuff. So you'll see um, he's a pretty stout little player, right? So he finished T11 in Mallorca a couple of weeks ago. He drove it very well. Um, it To me, from this stat profile, and I'll, I'll admit, like I've never seen Veerman swing a golf club in my entire life, but looking at his stat profile, it's pretty positive and he doesn't have any huge strengths in his game. He doesn't have a ton of weaknesses, but I'll tell you what, he has gained strokes from T to green basically every event for like 19 out of 20 events, something like that. He had a tiny, tiny loss in the Czech Republic. He had a tiny, tiny loss at the Dutch open other than that. And any loss at the Scottish open other than that, it's been positives from T to green. So um, that's the, the one guy, because I think if you're venturing down to that six K range, uh, you might as well find somebody that nobody else is all that particularly interested in, right? Because I don't think there's a lot of clear options. And and ownership isn't really um, trending in any direction. In fact, Mike Cavalunas, who does the ownership for rickrungood.com, he like just texted me like, 
as the countdown was going on that he just updated the ownership again. So there is a new run that I'll need to pull into the cheat sheet, but it would it actually will be in the updated in the custom model that updates automatically. Um, so Scott Piercy drawing a little bit of ownership in the $6,000 range, 5.2%. Gary Woodland and Bo Hostler catching it at $7,000 flat. So, so I, I, anybody you pick in the 6K range is probably going to be pretty low owned. The other options that I would argue are worth considering would be like David Lingmurth. Um, I don't know what has happened to Lingmurth that in the last two weeks he's he's finished inside the top 11 uh, both times. But whatever it is, especially because we don't have the strokes, strokes gain breakdown for Bermuda or Mayakoba, but whatever it is, if he found something, uh, he has a legitimate top 15 upside. And there's probably not a lot of guys in the 6K range that that don't. Now, we have not seen a ton of great golf from David Lingmurth over the course of the past couple of years. It's been better. Right, he won a Corn Ferry Tour event at the end of last year. Now he's got back-to-back -to -back top eleven finishes. Um, maybe he has found something in his game. So those are the two that I'd probably feel most comfortable with. I could also argue, uh, where's Marty Dow? Marty Dow's here. Okay, seventeenth um, place finish in Bermuda. He played well on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. Kind of a nasty little miscut in Mayakoba. I, I at sixty-eight hundred dollars, you could do a lot worse than than Marty Dow. Do you find the tougher the course, the less volatility, i.e. more chalk hits, cream rises to the top on easy courses, it seems much more volatile. So this is actually a really interesting question, Jared. And I think that it is entirely dependent on the golf course. So I think the golf courses that are chalkier are the ones where T to green play is rewarded or good T to green play is rewarded. Um, I, I think of Torrey Pines a lot, right? Torrey Pines is a golf course that asks you to hit a lot of long irons, high long irons into greens. And if you miss the fairway, you're in thick rough and like, it's, it's, it's not fun. And I think you generally get some pretty stout winners around Torrey Pines. And I think that does a good job or at least a decent enough job, especially for courses that we see every year of deciding kind of who the best players are. Um, this golf course, while difficult, has a, a different way of separating the field, in my opinion. Uh, and if you look at the model, the model would kind of agree with this statistically as well, that this golf course separates itself on and around the greens. The, the Tom Doak redesign, where they removed a lot of the bunkers and now it's just short grass around these greens, offers some really, really tricky situations into these green complexes. Um, so I, I would say... Uh, this is a golf course that separates the best players for this golf course a little bit differently. So I do not, um, I don't expect it to be super chalky just because it's hard. I expect the guys, I expect a lot of guys to uh, separate themselves from the field in the short game categories. That's, that's the way that I see it. Also, um, you know, we've got some boots on the ground that, that rough you know, we knew it was going to be a little bit thicker than the last couple of weeks. It's going to be like two and a half inches. It's this weird kind of Bermuda that can nest on these guys or get a little fluffy or give them a little, like, I think, I think playing out of the, the fairway is going to be more important than I thought on Monday, which I thought it was pretty important on Monday. I think I'd give it like another little nudge upwards. Do you think Mav and or Monty, that would be, uh, I'm assuming Taylor Montgomery, will find success this week? They have been they seem to be doing it with the flat stick. Memorial presents another animal. Will they be able to get away with it on this track? Oh, Memorial Park. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's kind of weird because these two have been 
vastly over their heads with the putter, right? Like we've, we've discussed that ad nauseum. I don't need to go into that. Just know that it is incredibly likely that putting regression is coming for both of those guys. It doesn't mean their, their finishing position positions are going to get significantly worse. It just means that putter regression is coming. The only problem is, um, this is one of the best places to be a good putter, right? So Memorial Park, the two years of, of, of history that we have, um, only one other course on the PGA Tour schedule with strokes game putting more important. So I I see regression coming for these guys with the putter. I'm not necessarily ready to say it's right now because of how important putting is. We're probably not going to get this opportunity uh, much longer. So I would, I, I would ride it out one more week. I think they're going to have good weeks. And McNeely has history around this place. Right. So he's got, let me find him. Yeah. A 19th and a 20th in his two trips. And he's been piling up top twenties, four in a row. Montgomery's got what? 10 top 15s in a row. It, it's just, I, I think this is probably going to be another good week for, for both of them. Um, oh, some of these questions are repeats. We don't have to repeat questions. Uh, boy. Okay. How would you gain leverage if you were all in on Scotty? I'm leaning Scotty, then skipping the 9K range and starting the 8K range and finishing in the sevens, but wanted your thoughts. Okay, so this is the cheat sheet. Again, uh, rickrungood.com. So if you're playing uh, multiple entries, 20 max, 150 max, getting leverage on Scotty would be like doubling the field on him, right? So I have him projected right now, 32% ownership. Um, if you are playing 150 lineups and you wanted to be quote all in on Scotty Scheffler, uh, you could put him in 50% or more of your lineups. Now, if you are playing in a single entry and you wanted to play Scotty Scheffler in which he's probably going to be in upwards of 40% of lineups, right? Cause the single entries tend to be much more the chalk tends to be much chalkier. Now you've got to get a little bit creative here, right? Uh, whether it's skipping the 9K or going down to the bottom of the 9K range, you know, the one guy that I think is really interesting is Denny McCarthy. Denny McCarthy at this moment, 6.4% projected ownership. Um, so now you'd have two guys in at 38% projected ownership or 46 if you give Scotty 40% in a single entry. And Denny's a great putter, played well here last year, coming off of a good finish, sub 7%. That's interesting. So you got to kind of be a little bit, um, you could also go to the bottom of the 8K range. I don't like that as much unless it's Taylor Moore. If you get Taylor Moore at 5.1%, I think I prefer that over the other guys at 81, 82, or $8,300. That's uh, Mitchell Munoz and, and Hadwin for those who are just listening and not watching on YouTube. So you're going to have to be pretty creative on getting single digit golfers if you are, going to get Scotty. Otherwise, just put him in like um, 75 out of your 100 lineups. Rick, I'm thinking of going with Sam Burns and Taylor Montgomery. Do you have any favorites under $7,500? All right, let's look at this together. So $7,500, that's Aaron Rye and down. Um, I wouldn't mind going back to Adam Shank, right? 12th in Las Vegas, 16th at the Zozo, 29th in Bermuda, and he finished inside the top 30 here uh, last year. I wouldn't mind that. I'm not super excited about it. I think he could hemorrhage a lot of strokes around the greens, but I think that he is a decent option. Uh, Robbie Shelton. So we've been following Robbie quite closely. And actually I'll pull up his golfer profile. Cause I think this is, it's better to actually do a little bit of a deeper dive into Robbie Shelton. So he misses the cut at, um, at, at Mayakoba, which ended a, a really good stretch of golf that had a win and a bunch of top 25s. And even the Bermuda championship result, the T 23 was better 
um, in my opinion, than what that what that ended up being. He was like he was like the 36 hole leader, one shot off the lead after 36 holes. The other thing is um, he is super stout in the short game. I mean, look at these numbers. So he doesn't have as many rounds as everybody else, but what we do have, he's nearly gaining a stroke per round in the two short game categories, which is like legit. And now you're going to the golf course in which you could argue the short game categories are more important here than a lot of other places. Uh, if you can forgive the miscut, it's still a really good stretch of eight tournaments and a golf course that should allow him to lean into his strengths. So that's another guy who shows up well. Um, for me, he's $7,300. Outside of that, I wouldn't mind taking a bit of a flyer on Danny Willett, kind of another short game specialist. He's going to have a, a more narrow path to the top of the leaderboard, but he finished 21st in Mayakoba. He had a good uh, finish in Europe at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship, right? Was that his result? Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong column. Uh, at the Fortinet, the event he probably should have won, right? And uh, before three putting on the 72nd hole and Max Homa chipping in on him. So I wouldn't mind going back to Danny Willett either. Um, and while I'm here, actually, someone like tweeted me and was like, hey, can you do a deep dive on Cameron Champ? Um, sure. I I don't think this is the spot for him, right? That's I just really worry. Like, what, what do we know? We know that Cam Champ uh, is incredibly volatile, if not one of the most volatile golfers on the PGA Tour. Legitimate high upside, uh, but can miss five, six, seven cuts in a row, which he does regularly. The place that he hemorrhages strokes, short game. Uh, he is not very good on approach, and I'll tell you what, his driver hasn't even been as good. So this is this is a bit of, of trouble for me. Um, let's see what he's done here in the past. Played here in 2019, which was... So hold on, 19, 20, 21. This was at GC of Houston. This was not at Memorial Park. Finished T23. So he doesn't have any starts at Memorial Park. So there you go. Whoever tweeted me and asked for that, uh, there's your deep dive. Dan says, stars or scrubs or more balanced? Uh, I probably prefer the balanced build. You know, the, 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 we already talked about like the 6K range is horrible, right? It's just, it's just really bad. The 9K range though, offers a lot. And I actually think there's a lot in here that is good for GPPs. Um, Denny McCarthy at 6.4%. Sahith Tagala, 4.2%. Like, like, let's look at Sahith. Like both those guys together, 10% owned. What do we always say? Oh, wait, no, somebody said, I, uh, the line that I always say about Sahith, I'm not allowed to say anymore. Um, but I will just tell you, I can't remember what it is, but I will tell you, legitimate top 10 upside, right? Like legitimate top 10 upside. He is going to have some really bad weeks, but that what you want, you don't want him when he's 18% owned in Bermuda or something like that. You want him when he's 4% owned in a field that has two and a half stars in it, right? Like that's kind of what you want. So I, I like this 9K range a lot. Uh, I'm not particularly fancy of the 8K range, but I think there's enough options, um, which which leads me to probably a more balanced situation. Who do you like more, Scotty or Taylor? Just straight up, Scotty Scheffler or Taylor Montgomery? I mean, obviously Scotty Scheffler, right? I mean, I know that I don't I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but clearly I'm going to take the guy who has. Uh, by far the shortest odds in the field, by far the best player in the field. Um, as much as I love Taylor Montgomery, and trust me, I, I probably love him more than most. It's just like Sky Scheffler might be the best player in the world, second best player in the world. Um, no, I mean, that's just, just not remotely close. 
Justin says, hey, Rick, it's been a minute since I caught the live chat. Happy to be back. Welcome. First round leader thoughts. And what bets have you taken this week if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, again, I'm same thing that happened last week. I'm behind on bets. You know, the, the fantasy league stuff has really captured a lot of my attention. Uh, and I'm a little late on getting bets in. So I haven't made any yet, but we'll talk about that in a second. So first round leader, here, here's what I'm going to end up doing, right? Um, I'm going to end up going to like the Holy Grail. I'm going to end up going to strokes gained by round. I'm going to end up sorting by uh, round one for, I don't know, the last couple of seasons. We're going to look at guys who have gained the most strokes in round one. And it's probably going to be a lot of, yes, yeah, Scotty Scheffler and Russell Henley's and Taylor Montgomery's and all that stuff. And I'm going to try to find somebody who is probably um, – much longer odds, like a Marty Dow, like an Augusto Nunez, like an SH Kim, and then or an Aaron Wise, and I'm going to click into them, and I'm going to see it. Like Aaron Wise, so he's gained you know three and four strokes to the field pretty consistently in the opening round. Honestly, it might not be good enough. You might have to gain like five. He did that in Mexico, right? He gained five in Mexico in the opening rounds. I'd prefer to see a little more volatility. What's well, Justin? Yeah, like this, where Lauer can gain eight at the Fortinet and lose two and a half at the Wyndham plus three. Like I like this volatility. What's Hubbard been up to? Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Plus five, plus six at times. We got to find something. What's oh, Will Gordon's probably a really good one. Yeah. So look at this. So Will Gordon in his last six uh, round ones, he's gained four and a half, five and a half, six and 7.2. And he is probably far enough down the odds board. Uh, last I saw maybe 80 to one, something like that, where you can get a really good first round leader wager on him would not mind that at all. So that's what I would be looking for as far as what my wagers are or what they're going to end up being. Um, I will probably, uh, go with McNeely, Montgomery, Jason day, something like that to start depending on what odds I can get. If I can get those guys, I think I could probably get at least one of them in the thirties. Um, well, actually, no, I'm probably not going to be able to do all of those guys because I also, okay, so here, here's like the short list. Day McNeely, uh, I'll probably pass on Montgomery this time. Uh, McCarthy, a lot of M's. Matt Neesmith, there's a lot of M's here. Um, and then I would probably go further down the board to like Mackenzie Hughes. Jeez, I could probably do a five M's. It could probably be McNeely, McCarthy, Matt Neesmith, Mackenzie Hughes, um, maybe Jason Day. It's going to depend. I need to. I need to go look at the odds. I'll be able to get on those guys. But that's basically the short list. I don't think I'll be able to get to all five of them unless, unless all of those guys are like thirty to one or longer. I might be able to get to them. But if if I open it up and McNeely's like twenty two to one or eighteen to one, he's been bet down. Or like I'm never. I'm never going to get there on all those guys. But that would be the 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 short list. Oh, uh, okay. So Armina dropped the season-long interest form, uh, not only in the description, but she also put it in the chat as well. So thank you very much for that. So if that this is like, if you want to be on that email tomorrow, um, fill that out because I'm going to email everyone and we've got 200 and something spots available. Actually, it looks like there's more being added right now. Oh, we're 267 spots at least available right now. Um, pretty slick stuff. Deep dive on Francesco Molinari. Okay, sure. So it's, it's okay, right? It's, it's fine. Um, T 
at the Open Championship, T9 at the BMW PGA Championship. He has not played a lot since July, right? He's only got five starts since the Open Championship. Played in Mayakoba, made the cut. Alfred Dunhill. Okay, I mean, this is fine. The ball striking for what we have, because we don't have the breakdown from Mayakoba or the Alfred Dunhill links, the ball striking was better, but historically his short game is better, or at least around the green is. Um, but he's putted better as of late. He's gained in one, two, three, four of his last eight, but the losses, three of them are less than a half a stroke, which is fine. This is this is better than I anticipated. Um, I think the rest of that question was, he, is he making a Ryder Cup push? I don't know about that part. Uh, I think the Europeans are going to be sneaky. Like they're going to get a lot of young guys who are winning more frequently now and will probably overshadow Frankie here. But this is this is better than I anticipated. Has he played here before? Has he played here? Played the tournament. Oh, okay. Uh, last year he withdrew. That can mean a million things. But T15 at Memorial Park two years ago, where he gained five and a half in the short game categories, right? That's kind of that that makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah, I'm like a six and a half on Frankie. That's pretty cool. Steven says, yo, Rick, I think Russell Henley's live to go back to back. What say you? I say more than most guys. Um, so here's Russell Henley's stat profile. Russell, and we talked about this last week. Russell Henley's 100 round baseline or 200 round baseline or something like that was probably fifth or sixth best in that field last week. Um, and especially doing it in a way in like the ball, like the the approach play and 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 stuff like that. So Russell Henley longer term form. Uh, is better than a lot of these guys. Here's here's last 100 rounds sorted by approach play. It's Scotty Scheffler. It's Russell Henley. Sorted from T to green. Henley is uh, third behind Scotty and, and Finau. Okay, so so yeah, his baseline is is already pretty darn good compared to the rest of the field. Uh, now he's won this event, but he didn't win it here. Right, he won it in like 2017. I want to say, I'll pull it up here. Um, yeah, he won it here, 2017. But he has a T7 at this golf course and a T29. So yeah, I mean, I, I no, I don't think he's going to win, but I do think that him winning is more likely than a lot of guys trying to go back to back. There's a lot of good stuff here, long term form, course history, all that. Okay, um, no love for Austin Cook? Question mark. Honestly, I have not even. Thought about Austin Cook. So let's see. Let's see what Austin Cook has been up to. Um, has made two cuts in a row, misses three before that. Played okay at the end of the Corn Ferry Tour season. Did not play particularly well down the stretch of the PGA Tour season, but his strengths lie in the short game categories. How's he driving it? Accurately. Okay. Um, this is probably a better spot than most for him. But I don't think it's great because I think his 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 baseline skill set is not all that great, right? But I think if you're looking for Austin Cook courses, like he should be circling this one on the schedule because it's a good spot for him. But does that mean instead of finishing T42, he finishes T28? I don't know. But um, better spot than most to run out Austin Cook. Who are the one or two guys you've warmed on or cooled on this week? Okay, this is always hard for me. So I, I think I've definitely warmed on Russell Henley talks about talks about that. Um, I'm warming probably more on like Denny McCarthy, who is just sitting there at six percent ownership, and and I completely get it. Guys that I'm cooling on, 
This is always a little bit harder for me. Um, I'm just looking at the cheat sheet. So you're sorry. You can look at it with me too. I don't think I'll end up getting much exposure to Aaron Wise, right? And I think if you've been following along for a while, I'm a big Aaron Wise guy. I get it, right? Like I get it. I want to buy stock in him. I want to like, I just get it. But now he's $9,900 projecting to be the second highest owned golfer on the slate. I probably can't bet him. I probably can't play him in DFS. Uh, so my exposure to him will be limited to matchup markets in which he got matched up with some tough draws in my opinion, which I don't love or playing him in one and done. So I just think my exposure to Aaron wise will probably be much less than, um, how I actually feel about Aaron wise Cameron from Australia, Aussie mate, Melbourne. I don't know if he's in Melbourne. I just wanted to let Cameron know that I know how to say it and I wouldn't say it like a, like a, like a, you know, raucous American and call it Melbourne. I would never, I would call it Melbourne. Says love the channel here in Australia. Has Matthew Neesmith ever come off a break and perform seemed, seems to me he built some momentum. Yeah, for sure. So I'm super in on Matthew Neesmith. Um, I, I don't need to, Talk about that again, but let's look and see if he's had. So this, this is, this is what three weeks off. Let's find some other times in which he might've had three weeks off. That's two weeks. That's one week. That's two. Um, that's two. No, 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 no. Uh, here RSM to the American express. So that was a couple of months off. That was at the end of last season. He missed the cut and was slow out of the gate after that. Is there any other time in which he has missed? Or he has taken like three weeks off in a row. Wow, he plays a lot. Not really. Not really. This no, that's two weeks. Oh wow, guy plays a lot. RSM to so. I mean, every time he starts the new season, he misses the cut in his first time out. It appears. How much is he? How often has he done that? Eh, okay. So here in in 2019 to 2020, he finished T thirty two at the Sony Open. There's really not a lot of evidence of him taking three weeks off as of late. So that's really the only concern. Is he going to be able to knock off the rust quick enough? Great show as usual, Rick Lister Rye. Uh, like it has to be Rye, right? I'm just I'm just going to assume, but I will also throw it in the head-to-head matchup tool for you, and we'll do the last 36 rounds. It, I, I have not looked up Luke List's stat profile in a while, but last checked, it was horrible. And if you are going to need to be sound around the greens, I think you're in big trouble here. The head-to-head matchup tool has Aaron Rye winning a four-round matchup 61% of the time against Luke List. Uh, and he gains Rye, gains one or more, two or more, or three or more strokes uh, much more frequently than Luke List does. So I'm going with Rye. The matchup tool also goes with Rye. The new model is awesome. Love the new additions. Yeah, thank you. Uh, here it is. I love it too. It's amazing. And only going to get better. Um I've got a lot more in store for this and the rest of the website. But yes, I'm very excited about the new custom model. Can you do a deep dive on Danny Willett? Sure. Englishman who has won the Masters, decent around the greens, um, and has played well enough to give me slight interest. That's your shallow dive. Hey, Rick. I just emptied my cool boy gambling account onto Taylor Montgomery plus 100 over Matt McNeely. Mistake thoughts? Uh, we can run it through the model. I'll tell you, but like my my opinion is these guys are the same guy. Right. They are both 
playing over their head with the putter. They're both racking up great finishes. Uh, I would, I mean, I just think they're so similar. Let's see. Let's see what the tool says. Let's just last 36 rounds. Taylor Montgomery. You, that is the side that you have versus Mav McNeely. Wow. I have Montgomery winning it often. 70% of the time. That's a ton. So maybe you've done the right thing here. Let's go last 24 rounds because that might be better for McNeely. That's really not. Montgomery's been awesome. Montgomery's been awesome. It's just they're both putting absolutely insane. The good thing about the, uh, Taylor is that he has other, like he has another elite skill set, which is he drives the ball so far and he drives it so well, which is probably why he'll continue to have success even when the putter comes back down to earth. So you might be on the right side of this one. Good luck. Who are the best players overall? Uh, short game in the field. Okay. So I guess I could add a short game column in here, but let's just do around the green and then find the good putters as well. So basically, um, Sung, you'll know he doesn't have a lot of rounds, but he is gaining a half a stroke around the greens and a third of a stroke with the putter. Um, let's see. Robbie Shelton, who we already talked about, nearing a, a stroke per round. Andrew Putnam, over a stroke per round. Four tenths around the green. Seven tenths with the putter. Peter Malnati's up there. Harris English is up there. Tony Finau, believe it or not. That's another thing. I'm I'm like back in on Tony for this week. That miscut last week was about the best miscut you could have ever have gotten. And for all the accomplishments that Tony Finau has had uh, over the course of his career, but also in the last couple of months, people don't realize how good a short game is. And evidenced right here as we go through the stats. Um, Danny Willett is in here. Denny McCarthy is in here. Mackenzie Hughes is in here. Johannes Veerman is in here. A lot of that is DP World Tour data. So uh, those would be the guys that I say, well, I don't say it. I literally don't say it at all. I'm just reading off what the stats say. Okay, so here's the question. Uh, thoughts on Harris English, which is kind of a nice little segue. So I, I personally believe he looks like he's getting healthier. And he looks like he's getting better. Um, you know, he played the first two rounds last week. I think I don't, I don't, I guess I could look it up, but we're much better than his final two rounds. You know, he was, he was kind of in the mix uh, through Friday. He finished T32, but that's one of his better results as of late. You're starting to see him plug the gaps, right? This stat profile, um, you know, going on last year, like th this is the best version of, of, of Harris English we've ever seen the summer of 2021. Then he got hurt and we just saw a complete uh, disintegration of his skill. I mean, this is, this is horrible stuff losing across the board that now we're starting to see him break out of this. Uh, he's gaining in the short game categories. He's patching a bit here on approach at, in Las Vegas. He gained again, small amount at Congaree. Like he just needs to find the driver. He's a driver away from being certainly serviceable again. Uh, and, and, and I'm okay if you want to be early on him, right? I'm okay. If you want to be early, has he played at Memorial park before? No. So T4 in Houston in 2019, but that was Golf Club of Houston. Pretty good, though. Go Birds, that's right. Rick, the new custom model is unreal. Thank you, sir. I know this may change week to week, but just curious when you input your stats, if you prefer the model... Built from recent rounds or range date. I almost always do recent rounds. Um, the only the times I will do, I and that's not true. I will sometimes do the date range, but it'll be like year to date. I really like it for the masters. Okay, so when we get to the masters, I might do 
Jan one to current, uh, there's a really, there's a weird little nugget about guys who play well in the 90 days leading up to the masters, like, and then they go on to win the masters. It's, it's, it's actually shocking, um, how good that trend is. And, and sometimes when guys are, especially towards the off season where, you know, they're not playing a lot of rounds, I might use the date range more often. So you might see that a lot more in January and February, but I would say 85% of the time I use, I use the recent rounds. Uh, I answered the one about stars and scrubs or bounce. I think I prefer bounce and a deep dive on Gary, who I'm assuming is Woodland, who is garnering basically the highest ownership in the 7K range, right? So I had him at, let's see. Oh, I have this sorted the other way. I think he was like 14% owned at $7,000 flat. Is that what I saw earlier? Uh, I'm sorry. It was 8.8. Hostler was 12.5. So Gary's not into double digits as uh, as of this second. Let's see what we got. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Well, here's the thing, Jay. If you think short game is important this week, it's up to you to decide. I don't care. We've got one of the worst. Uh, he lost 11 in the short game at Congaree, which in his defense, you can do that, right? Like Congaree is, we saw a lot of guys lose a lot at Congaree, but <laughs> he also lost six in the short game in Jackson three in Napa, two and a half in Memphis, six and a half at the open championship, uh, big time loser in the short game categories, uh, which is concerning. So if you believe that's important this week, Gary Woodland might be, um, might be up a Creek here. What's he done at Memorial park? Oof. Yeah. Missed the cut, missed the cut and his only start, um, and was horrible. He lost in basically every single category. Yikes. Not good, Gary. Um, custom model is legit. Thank you. I'm getting Austin Cook, Bo Hostler. Okay, so we did the Austin Cook stuff. Let's do the Bo Hostler stuff because he is getting more ownership in that tw- uh, 12K range or uh, 12% range. So, okay, this is why he's popping, right? Bo Hostler is just super hands, right? Look at the short game. Uh, it has been like 12 starts since he's lost. He has not lost in the short game categories since the RBC heritage. So there there's why if you're modeling with short game stuff, he shows up. The other thing is he's like sneaky long off the tee, right? So he is, uh, let's look at last year, which is a bigger sample size. Uh, 30th in driving distance last year, 30th Bo Hosser. Did you imagine that? Did you, did you, uh, probably not. It's not bad. I, I like, I mean, T16 to Zozo, that was a stacked field. He hasn't missed a cut since the 3M open. Friend of the pod, Bo Hossler, feeling it. What are you and Armina's vacation plans for the winter break? Um, okay, so I've got actually, I actually have the weeks listed over here on a whiteboard that you guys cannot see. So we do our weeks by Mondays. Monday's a very big day in content. So we've got Houston, we've got RSM, the heroes coming, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we are targeting a vacation in there and I will tell you it will be somewhere warm and I will tell you, uh, I think it might be Miami, Miami ish. So if I'm looking for golf course, when I'm looking for golf, just give me the Miami golf course recommendations. Let's start there. And I think that's where it's going to end up being. Should be fun. 
My buddy is planning to bet Victor to win every tournament beginning at Tory. Is this a good strategy? Any play better that you recommend in the 20 to 40 odds? Well, listen, I bet Victor every single week and uh, I don't have my spreadsheet up right now, but it has been delightful. Let me tell you that. Um, anybody that's going to be in that range, I would keep an eye on Colin Morikawa, right? So uh, we don't need to do the Colin stuff on a week that he's not even playing, but he uh, sports books, let him drift and you're going to get him at 20 and 30 and 35 to one and whatever for a prolific winner. He's, I will be betting him a lot moving forward. Model loves Putnam, but do you worry about his driving distance? Yes, of course. But if if I didn't have to worry about his driving distance, he'd be like three thousand dollars more expensive, right? If he had everything going for him, he'd have he would be three thousand dollars more expensive. Now the good news is he is quite accurate and he is deadly on and around the greens, and he's even hitting the ball better on his second shots. I'm quite high on Andrew Putnam this week. Yes, I worry about the distance, but the more I hear about people who are already there, are uh, like the rough's no joke. So maybe give up 14 yards to be in the fairway. I think I could, I think I could get away with that. I'm okay. I'm quite high on Andrew Putnam. Let's try that. Thoughts on Lipsky. Wow. D lip Las Vegas guy. Um, I think he played well last week, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. Look, so he T 10 at Mayakoba T 40 at the Zozo T 44 at the shrine. It's, it's, it's okay. The problem is we don't know how he's doing it. Unfortunately, historically, he's a very bad putter. He's also not very good around the greens. If I knew kind of what he did at the Zozo or how he did at the Zozo and how he did it at my I'd feel a little bit stronger about this. I, I lean towards let's find a golf course for David Lipsky. That does not require uh, this level of short game proficiency. And I'm, I'm, Probably not going to get any access or exposure to David Lipsky this week, um, but that's how I feel. I mean, think about think about the stark contrast of going from the short game areas at Mayakoba where the ball sits up for you and literally, um, no offense to my bud Vic, can win the golf tournament twice, to this place where you are going to have to be so stout. Like, I I worry about that for David. I'll be in Vegas this weekend playing the Mediocre Golfers Association World Championships. Will you be at Circa Friday or Saturday night at all? We'd love to grab a drink with you. Unfortunately, Jim, uh, we will not be in town this weekend. We are on the road again. So unfortunately, no. Uh, we will be somewhere else on the West Coast. But uh, if anybody, like this, this comes up a lot where people are like, hey, are you, if, if you're in town and like, are you going to be at Circa? Like I'm kind of at Circa a lot. So um, I've met up with a lot of people. It's been great. I just lost my spot. I hate when this thing jumps on me. Hold on. Give me one second. Um, Brent says, click the like button. Weekly trophy discussion. I'm not a big fan of the cup trophies, but this one combines some architectural space, architectural slash space, space motives that make it pretty modern and unique. Yeah. So hold on. Let me, let me look it up. Uh, remember when um, Jason Kokrak was uh, hoisting it with uh, orbit. Remember that? The Astros mascot, that was pretty elite. Okay, so let me see if I can pull up the trophy so we can look at this. Okay. It's strong. I'm not generally a fan of like the all silver or like crystal. I know this isn't crystal, but like 
this is strong. Great size, right? Jason Kokrak's a big guy, and this is from his chest to over his head. A big, heavy trophy is certainly something that should be included. Uh, it has the Houston Astros logo on it, which I know that they go into the, this is like, this is a lot of this is put on by the Houston Astros foundation, I believe. And it's why the color scheme and the logo is all that it is, but that's kind of the problem with this trophy. You have one of the best logos in golf, right? That Houston open logo. Um, like get me some color, lean, lean into that. Go, go, go use that. I love that. Okay. Um, any prize picks that jump out at you? So last time I checked, they weren't live. Okay, here we go. Ooh, strokes. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Here are the prize picks for this week. Uh, they are giving a lot of respect to the golf course, which I think that they should. Sep Straka, I'll tell you what. Sep Straka. Under 70, McNeely under 69 and a half. Those are interesting. It's a par 70. Remember that. Obviously, guys are going to shoot under par. Birdies, though, might be harder to come by. Um, four and a half birdies feels like a lot on a golf course where this is the second set of, of hardest par fives on the course, right? And you've got some long par fours. I don't mind taking the under on Burns four and a half birdies. And then the birdie matchups are just always insane. Finau over Molinax, yep. Wise over Spence, Svensson, yep. Henley over Champ, yep. Right? Like, those are the money printers. Um, there's a link in the description. Use the code RICK at PrizePix. Gets you a deposit bonus. Gets you all the fun stuff. Helps me out. Much appreciated. Are the fantasy leagues open to us Aussies? Uh, yeah, as far as I'm aware, right? So, so the the software that we're using, Fantrax, um, I don't think stops anybody from signing up because they also don't take any of the money. So, I would maybe find one where either your commissioner uses, um, your commissioner is going to hold the funds, or I don't know if League Safe League Safe might not be open to anybody outside the U.S. and Canada. Um, just yeah, the, the, there will be options for for internationals. Just find the ones that work for you. Maybe, I mean, I listen, I don't want to say like, I don't want the commissioners to hold the money. I've encouraged them not to, but for the internationals, that might be a little bit easier or or the fan checks treasurer that might allow Aussies. But yes, it's, there's nothing like inherently stopping the internationals from, from playing. Do you like that? I keep calling you guys the internationals. Is that no? Okay. Um, the internationals. Uh, okay, Dave, this is a good question. So it's, it's, it's a question in regards to Harry Hall. Um, <laughs> I've got, I've got stats and I've got not stats for Harry. So let me, let me pull this up here real quick. So, uh, missed the cut at Mayakoba T63 in Bermuda. The only good start that he's had this season is his home course in Las Vegas, TPC Summerlin. He also Instagram something like this morning saying how tired he is saying that he can that he's never played this much golf before that he has considered taking the next two weeks off and just starting his off season. And he said, he's going to, he's going to grind through it. That's not necessarily what I want to be hearing from a guy I'm going to be investing in, especially with the only, the only good start or, you know, really good start that he's had this season is, has been at a place he's probably played more than any other golf course. Um, that's a bit worrisome. I'm I'm expecting 
Harry to, and he's not wrong, right? He's had to play so much golf. He's had to play basically every week on the Corn Ferry to secure this card. I'm expecting uh, probably two not great weeks from Harry and then rest up, get right, and and be a lot better in, in, in the new year. That That's what I'm expecting from Harry. Davis Thompson or Brendan Steele? Uh, actually, Davis Thompson has probably been better than... Uh, especially myself or most people would consider anybody. Any idea what Davis Thompson's been up to three starts this year, T nine Napa T 67 made the cut in Jackson and a T 12 at the Shriners. And in that he's been basically gaining in every category. Uh, he had one bad putting week in Jackson, but had one really good putting week at the Fortinet. His ball striker. Yeah. His, his ball striking has been splendid. His T to green game. Splendid. Talk about guys who are well-rested, right? He hasn't played in a month, competitively at least. This is a lot better stat profile than I think a lot of people will think. Um, Steele, I am at, like, are we, like, what are we going to do? Ask Brendan Steele to gain seven strokes with, look at this. I mean, he he's just, he, he's a short game hemorrhager. I'd go with Thompson. Cook, Gligic, or Martin? I think it's probably Cook. I like Adam Hadwin this week. Is that crazy? Well, I don't know, Chris. Is it? Is it crazy? Probably. Probably. So, uh, you need a ceiling approach week from him, which is what you got in Las Vegas. Five and a half strokes gain there. Um, the putter can pop, obviously. Short game is not great as of late. I'm out. For those reasons, I'm out. I think he's fine. It's just like, well, I, I'm not excited. Shouldn't I be excited about the guys I play? My favorite build is leaving me with three golfers at 7K average left. Can you rank your top four or five uh, between 7,100 and 6,900? Sure, Brent. No worries, babe. No worries, mate. Uh, okay. I would say, let me just start throwing out names and then I can put them in order. Chesson Hadley. Uh, Bo Hostler, Steven Yeager, S.H. Kim, Frankie Molinari. So that's five. Now let me think about what order to put these guys in. Uh, Bo, one. Hadley, two. Yeager, three. Molinari, four. S.H. Kim, five. Good luck. Thoughts on Ryan Palmer? Ugh, probably not much, but let's do it. Everybody always wants to play Ryan Palmer when we get to Texas, right? Like five times a year, it's like, it's Palmer, it's Texas. It's not, it's not, it's not this isn't good. He was great to Byron Nelson. Where was that? Texas, I know. That's the last time he was great. Um, it. This is a slightly, he is currently slightly above average in most categories. And there is nothing that, excites me. There is nothing that worries me. I think that he is about as average as you can get as he played at Memorial Park. Yes, he finished T26. Um, that is, I'm just like, so average. So average. <laughs> this is a good call. Is the Tony 13% projection going to lead to steaming him and it's 
<coughs> sorry guys, when everyone sees it, um, leading to burn 17 to 20% ownership look good again. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's valid, right? How much steam could Tony get tonight? Could he get 6%? It's possible. Like Joel Damon, I was like Joel Damon last week, right? Uh, just caught steam and was 7% higher than everybody thought, which happens all the time. But I, I think there's a lot of bitter miscut, Tony miscut people who look around and say, you know what? Uh, forget this guy. I'll either just pay up for Sam Burns or Scotty Scheffler, or I'll get Aaron Wise, Taylor Montgomery, M- Mad McNeil. Like there's just, I, I just, I don't know what the path to Tony getting steamed is outside of, um, like a hundred thousand people watching this show and being like, Oh yeah, no, that was a good miscut. I agree with Rick. His short game is better. I'm going to play him. Spoiler alert. There's not a hundred thousand people watching this. So I think we're good on the steam there. Ray asks about, um, I'm assuming this is Ben Griffin because Lonto is not in the field. Lonto is, is, uh, he had surgery on his back. I believe. So here's Ben Griffin. What you probably remember most is the Bermuda championship in which he was in the mix throughout. He ends up finishing T3. Um, outside of that, I mean, it's, it's been a pretty decent start to the season to him. He's got four made cuts in a row. He's got that 24th place finish and that third place finish. Um, we don't have a ton of data on him, but what we do have on him, the only place that he generally loses is off the tee. And when you start looking um, I mean, it's very, very small sample sizes for, for, for Ben Griffin, by the way, but, um, he's okay around the greens. He's not great with the putter, but he's had good weeks in the past. I'm like a five and a half or a six out of 10, right? A little, a little bit more excited than, than, than normal. Nothing too crazy. Is the old golf DFS adage about playing good ball strikers and bad putters dead. This seem this week seems apt is that what that word is but in the future question mark does anyone ever lose strokes putting and win um like technically yes right justin thomas has done it jordan spieth has done it uh yes it happens i don't necessarily so i guess jared it depends on how you take this adage um if you're talking about guys who are going to win that week it's rare for someone to lose strokes putting and win, but that's not really the adage, right? The adage is find good ball strikers and hope to get their good putting week. That's how Luke list won. That's how a lot of guys, Keegan Bradley just won, right? Like that's, that's the adage. It's not that someone is going to win losing strokes with the putter. It's that you're going to find the volatile week. And also you're going to give yourself the higher floor. Right. I mean, look at the money list com- and compare it to the guys who drive it well. Look at the money list and compare it to the guys who are great on approach. Now look at it and compare it to the guys who putt well. It's like none of those guys are on the list. Right. So um, I think it's just how you interpret that. What would be your one and done strategy if you are towards the bottom of the pack this early in the season? Nothing. Nothing. If you're, as long as your season doesn't end next week, uh, you, I would not change until we got to like, the masters, uh, then I would start doing things differently. So nothing pick who you think is best. David says Dubai desert classic has the greatest trophy. That's, that's pretty, pretty good. Excuse me. Um, 
Fantrax has Fantrax Treasurer, just like League Safe, but free. Interesting. Good afternoon, Rick. Thanks for all that you do. You mentioned boots on the ground. Are any of them meteorologists? Are we expecting a wave? Uh, so I was looking at weather a bit earlier. Here's what I see. Uh, not a meteorologist here, but I don't think there's going to be a, uh, an advantage, right? So you've got Thursday. All day Thursday is pretty much is pretty much the same. Friday afternoon, you could get, you you are going to get like overnight or evening and overnight thunderstorms on Friday. It kind of just depends on when they roll in. Uh, if they roll in at you know here six o'clock and it's four, that's when the wind goes up, like those guys are off the golf course, right? It doesn't matter. Uh, if it rolls in at noon though, now it's kind of a little bit of a different story. So I don't think. Uh, and we can keep an eye on this kind of closer that there's a huge wave advantage. But if you wanted to play one, I think that PM AM has the potential to be slightly better. Also shameless plug and I'll get myself out of the way. Uh, if you wanted to build lineups like that, you could. So the custom model lets you do wave selections. So you could say, give me at least five golfers from the PM wave or whatever you wanted or all golfers from the PM wave or whatever and do it like that. So uh, you could wave stack. You could, you could. Okay. No, no, don't, don't converse in the chat. Go, go talk somewhere else. Go talk in the Slack. It clogs it up. Yeah. Yeah. Get, go to discord. Um, any love for Burmeester. Yes, I was super high on Burmeester last week. That worked out very well, didn't it? Old Dino. Let's see. Burmy. Uh, yeah, look at this. Whoops. Sorry. Whoops. Sorry. Not a very good clicker right now. Uh, playing well all over, all over the place, right? He's got a couple of good starts on the on the PGA Tour in order. Uh, 437th, 32nd. Played well at the end of the Corn Ferry Tour season. You're right. He carries it all over the globe. I completely agree. Stout little skill set. Uh, Well-rounded golfer. Not as a great putter, but tiniest of positives. Not a great approach player, but tiniest of positives. And he's great off the team. He's and he's and he's awesome around the greats. So yeah, that that's I'm I was big on Burmy last week and we'll be big on Burmy uh this week. There should be 100 k watching this, says Brent. For your sake, but for our sake, is greatly benefited from the community we have right now. I agree. The community is actually pretty sick. I don't know how we got to this point, but the community is pretty sick. Uh appreciate it, Brent. We'll do a car. We're running out of time. That's okay. We'll keep going. Carl, you on. Here's Carl. Um, I worry about this, right? So what do we know about Carl? Uh, the ball strike. Oh, he got a new headshot, by the way. That's new, right? Um, he, great ball striker, not great on and around the greens. I think that will, I think he will get punished around these greens. Like if he lost, he lost three and a half at TPC Summerlin, which I will tell you from experience. I get that. There are spots, there are spots at TPC Summerlin where a short game, like it kind of sucks. Like it's kind of troublesome, nothing compared to what they're going to get this week. So if you're losing three and a half at TPC Summerlin and one and a half, uh, at the country club of Jackson, I am quite afraid Memorial park is going to eat you alive. That, that, that would be, that would be my worry. I think we may have a 10 to 12 under winner. It's about right. The only thing that could save that for the birdie lovers is if the, you get that overnight, um, I don't know how much they're expecting Friday night. Let's see, half an inch. You get a half inch overnight on Friday night into Saturday, and now the guys who made the cut, the best guys on the week, 
are out there in soft conditions, you maybe this gets pushed to 15 under and the weekend scoring gets a lot better. But I think it drains pretty well at, at Memorial Park. I think they've got I think they've got a good great drainage system set up. Um because I think they redid it in the in the redesign. I think they did some functional stuff as well. So I I agree. I, I think it's gonna be I think the first two years are gonna be tough as well. Rick, waste that question mark. Interesting. I thought all lineups locked at first tee off. Well, they do, right? Lineups lock, but that that doesn't mean you can't wave stack, right? You could just choose guys that are going to play in the afternoon, or vice versa, whatever you want. Okay, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I had to announce uh, before I get out of here. The fantasy stuff. I'm. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. I do have one other thing. My bad. I created. I meant to mention this earlier. I created a Twitter handle um called run good fantasy it looks like this where i'm going to be putting out all the um updates and stats and like filling spot i didn't want to like bombard everybody who follows me on twitter with fantasy league stuff if you're not interested in that so this will be a kind of a community resource where it's like oh Bill needs two spots to fill his snake draft that starts tomorrow. Or, hey, here are some ideas on uh, trophies or punishments or whatever, right? So um, it's a way that we can kind of keep all of that in a better place for those who are looking for that information. So it's at Run Good Fantasy on Twitter. I will use that. Uh, otherwise, have a, have a great day. Goodbye.